Hey listeners, before we start today's show, I wanted to let everybody know that we just set live our very first Floor 9 listener survey. Uh, this is a way for us to hear from you, our audience. Let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, and this is all super, super important for us because it allows us to improve the show for you. Take some time after the show today, go fill it out. It's super quick and it uh, means a lot to us and the team here. So thank you so much in advance and on to the show. Hello, and thank you for joining the IPG Media Lab up here on Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elchison, and today's episode is all about the future of play. Joining me from the West Coast, we have our very own Adam Simon, who is slowly replacing Angel as the co-host of this show. Uh, So Adam, welcome back. Hi. And uh, for some of our listeners, they might not know, uh, Adam is actually a co-founder of the board game or card game excuse me rewordable and he's uh, uniquely suited for this episode on the future of play not only as our strategy director but as a creator of a game itself and all the way from across the atlantic we have tom donaldson the vp of the creative play lab over at lego uh, so tom welcome to floor nine thanks for having me glad to have both of you here today to talk about uh, this really exciting topic what we are entitling the future of play but to start off, Tom, I would love to hear some background on yourself uh, and really how you got involved with Lego and the Creative Play Lab. Absolutely. Um, I'm an engineer by background, actually, so a very different background than, uh, the, the, than many in the, in the toy and the play world. Uh, I have a degree and a master's in uh, artificial intelligence machine learning. Um, and um, in essence, I'm, a, I'm an inventor. I've, uh, I've probably got about 15 uh, boarded patents, but probably filed well over 100 at this point. Uh, a couple of startups, tech startups along the way, but uh, you know, quite a quite a wide variety of stuff, but mostly from the tech world. And then a couple of years ago, uh, just got the uh, the LinkedIn request from a from somebody looking for uh, the head of Lego's Creative Play Lab, and thought this is an interesting opportunity. Let's see what that's all about. That's fascinating. So, are you in a in a sense trying to bring this machine learning or artificial intelligence to the uh, many different aspects of Lego today when you are working at the Lego Creative Play Lab? Um, you know, I, I think uh, technology generally is something that we have to be very aware of it in the Creative Play Lab. But I think more generally, you know, what I'm trying to do is bring some of the uh, the thinking, experience, ways of working that, that you might find in a startup, that you might find in the, the, the world of venture capitalism, the world of, you know, fast moving tech companies uh, and to see which aspects of, of that is relevant to Lego. So less less about just throwing technology into the product. And a little bit more about bringing different ways of innovating, different ways of working to a company which itself is, you know, has a tremendous track record of innovation. Got it. So I would love then to hear more about really, you know, what is Lego Creative Play Lab tasked with within the larger Lego organization? Like, what is your mission or goal of the day to day? I mean, our, our tagline, I guess, is to invent the future of play and, and in particular to invent the future of Lego play, which is actually interestingly different than the, the future of play. Um but we uh, we both look at some of those sort of big transformational initiatives, um, you know, what you might think of as, as the big innovations that, that people look back on five or 10 years later, as well as, you know, every year putting out what we hope will be some of the best loved products, uh, you know, by kids around the world. Uh, we, we do technology, but we also do a, a ton of non-technical innovation as well, content and uh, new products. Uh, 
innovations, all sorts of stuff. That is super exciting. And uh, I want to take a moment and talk to Adam quickly. Adam, what are your thoughts on the future of play coming from a more traditional, in a sense, you know, game design background when it came to de- like design and rewardable? How are you seeing play change? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I agree with uh, pretty much everything Thomas said about how it's not necessarily, uh, you know, focused on technology. It's about creating experiences. And, um, you know, there are a lot of uh, kinds of games and toys that we've had for, uh, you know, decades or centuries even that uh, still do their job pretty well. Um, So I think, uh, you know, it's uh, always fun and exciting to uh, see what uh, technology can enable. Um, But I think, you know, there's always still value in, um, moving away from technology, especially uh, in, in a world where sometimes we're concerned about how much time we're spending in front of screens. It's always nice to have something uh, fun and entertaining and relaxing to do that's not uh, in front of a computer or a mobile device. Yes. I I feel like there has been a little bit of a, a resurgence of those more traditional board games recently from like the research that I've done is that uh, knowing that the smartphone really is changing play, I feel like some of the parents are trying to bring back this more traditional sense of you know community and uh, play through traditional board games. So I would love to dive right in and really talk about you know how the smartphone has changed, how play is done today, you know, from a, either like the adult perspective or the kid's perspective. Tom, what are your thoughts on the smartphone and really how it's impacting play today? Um, I mean, I think, you know, the smartphone is one of a number of things that have changed. I think, you know, you shouldn't underestimate the importance of the console and the tablet as well. Um, and I think particularly, uh, you know, the, the the segment under the ages of 10, maybe the smartphone slightly less prevalent than, than, than other forms. Uh, you know, kids get smartphones earlier and earlier. Um, you know, but it's just one of a number of technologies that are that are changing, uh, you know, what people do. But um, you know, I mean, clearly, it's uh, it, it makes less of our body. Uh, you know, if you look at many traditional playforms, you know, whether it's running, jumping, whether it's uh, you, you know, dexterity, things like that, uh, it, it certainly narrows the range of physical interactions. Um, you know, somewhat compared to traditional play. But I think, you know, what's interesting on the other side is it, is it does sort of, um, you know, create these play journeys in quite a rich way. You know, most games are, are designed in a way that you sort of level up step by step. Um, and, and that can create some quite rich play journeys that, um, you know, other, other play forms clearly have, but maybe sometimes struggle to lay them out in, in, in such a coherent way and that the kids find so uh, accessible on, on the smartphone. Interesting. Adam, how about yourself? What do you think the impact of these, you know, smartphones and new devices are, are doing for play? Uh, I think that obviously it enables new kinds of play and, and uh, you know, new uh, kinds of, uh, of entertainment. I think that um, in the long run, though, I think that it, there are lots of opportunities for to use technology to enhance uh, our physical play in new and interesting ways uh, to be able to do things like, um, you know, save uh, the state of play between play sessions. Uh, and recall, you know, where things were and how how they were set up. Um, I think that there's a lot of potential uh, there, and I think that it's uh, a little underutilized at this point because I do think that a lot of uh, designers um, start either from a purely physical or purely digital perspective. Uh, when at the end of the day, uh, it's really about the, the the experience. So looking for ways to combine those things, I think there's. Uh, just, you know, maybe not enough uh, people and not enough companies who are working on that intersection. I think, you know, Lego is definitely at the forefront there. And, and uh, Tom's group is probably at the forefront of the forefront. <laughs> so, uh. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, I guess that's really taking a look at how, in a sense, the digital and physical world is 
continuing to merge. And as these blinds are really blurring, like we've seen that just through culture, but now really through as how we're interacting, you know, whether it be our toys or just, you know, every day-to-day tasks or the it's just a, a new format that we can take advantage of. And, you know, specifically AR, I think, is the one that people are most excited about. I know at WWDC, uh, Lego was on stage demoing a new AR product that went with Lego toy set. Tom, did this come from your creative play lab or was this a full different team within the Lego organization? Um, it, it came from within, uh, within my group. Um, absolutely came with... Uh some of our folks and it's an area that you know certainly uh you know my team have been looking at for a number of years tracking the tracking the changes and, and seeing what's going on uh thinking about for quite a while and perhaps waiting for you know, techn- technology to uh, achieve an interesting state of readiness in terms of the mass market so i'm uh, curious to know, like, you know how then are you looking to bring this then to the traditional play with lego bricks are you looking to have this roll out across all the different products that you have is it going to be more like focused on like a, a special set that you can buy designed specifically for ar to kind of create these experiences how are you guys looking to like, kind of position this for for kids knowing that there's also a holiday season coming up yeah, I'm afraid I'm I'm not going to uh, spend this podcast yeah. to tell you what the future of Lego products are that haven't been announced. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. So, um, I, I, you know, there's a, a lot of really exciting stuff to come and a lot of really exciting areas. But um, honestly, you'll have to wait and see exactly how we're going to do this. Uh, what I can say is, uh, you know, uh, we're pretty happy with what we did at WWDC. We feel like we've shown some really interesting directions uh, out in the public there. Um, and there certainly is something about physical, you know, interactions with augmented reality that's, uh, you know, really fascinating when you start to explore it. But um, I'm afraid I can't actually tell you what the future of Lego, <laughs> Lego products looks like until we launch them. Totally fine. I thought I'd go out of limb and ask and see what uh, see what we could find. But yeah, so what also on the other side of the spectrum is VR. We know that this has kind of cooled off this year. There hasn't been that much of adoption to it. It's still rather expensive. And uh, from the lab side of thing, we're really looking to the Oculus Go and the new Oculus Quest as a kind of a barometer to understand how uh, the adoption of the VR market is going to play out in the future. So what are your thoughts on on VR and how this is going to impact play as just an, another digital method that consumers can, um, you know, get into? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you, you know, we spend a lot of our time, you know, uh, addressing folks under the age of 13. Um, and unfortunately, VR is not really something that you can take to, you know, to, to, to young kids at this stage. Um, you know, not enough people have done the research. So, you know, it, it's not something that's as directly relevant uh, to, to Lego as, as perhaps it would be to, you know, those folks in the gaming industry and who are more targeted at, uh, you, you know, teenagers and that sort of thing. So in, in terms of specific products, just you know, not through lack of interest, but through sort of, uh, you know, more pragmatic reasons. It's it's not something that we're, we're doing a super large amount with, although obviously we keep our eyes on it. Um, ultimately, you know, play is about really great experiences and, and kids love novelty. They love, you know, they love experiences that they feel like they haven't had before. Um, I've not really seen the VR experience you know, that, that had, had both the longevity and that sense of novelty. I'm sure it's there, um, you know, but I've not really seen it in a way that uh, really made me feel like this was a whole new territory that, that, that kids would feel like, wow, I've never done this before and could keep feeling that time after time with, with many new products compared to, you know, traditional gaming. So I guess I'm a little bit of a, 
you know, Luddite when it comes to VR specifically, both for pragmatic and perhaps for is it really that different reasons? Uh, but I'm sure there's loads of people standing out there ready to uh, prove me wrong. Right. <laughs> the one game that always stands out to me is a game called Beat Saber, which is kind of like a, like the, like the traditional take on Dance Dance Re- Revolution, but for VR. And it's really engaging, a lot of bright colors, fantastic music that plays with it. And it, like I said, it really creates this experience. And I think that's what VR is still trying to understand or develop is this use case or like what that best VR experience is because um, how we talk about it is it's not going to be scale but if you want to tell a story through VR it's this is like the best place to do it because it is just so immersive it has all the different six degrees of freedom and just the different interactivity that you can do within the virtual environment is something completely different than any other gaming experience or console that's out there today Adam I'm curious to know your thoughts on on VR uh, yeah, I would say that I'm actually maybe even more pessimistic than Tom about it. Uh, Tom was saying that he thinks that uh, there are those experiences are out there uh, that really differentiate VR as a, a different kind of platform. And so far, I haven't seen very many at all. Uh, I think a lot of the things I've seen have been pretty short experiments uh, to prove concepts uh, that are interesting, but um, haven't seen very much uh, that turns it into a totally new kind of experience that is the kind of thing that would only work in VR and that doesn't, you know, wouldn't translate to uh, playing on a console on a two-dimensional screen. Got it. Well, then, you know, I would like then to like dive more into, I guess, general gaming, uh, esports and gaming. Like this has already taken up a lot of play. It's a growing category. You know, I'm curious to know how you think this category is going to continue to impact play, knowing that VR is still a bit of a ways off. AR is in, in development, but it seems like there's a lot of real opportunity in the world of esports and gaming to uh, really, you know, impact how we play and how we even view content. Yeah, I, you know, I think esports is interesting. If if uh, I don't know if I'd call it gaming per se, and I think that this is part of this wider trend of. Uh, you know, that we need, really need to understand, which is, you know, the extent of uh, consumption versus uh, participation, um, you know, is is uh, is watching football the same as playing football? Well, it's clearly part of the, you know, it's clearly part of the overall experience, but there are quite significant differences from kicking the ball around and, and watching people kick the ball around. Um, and I think this is about the landscape of play and the landscape that's changing around you know, I wouldn't say this is how play is changing. I would say this is how childhood is changing. Um, you know, the, the the changing balance between you, you know kids being involved with uh, you know the the neighbors on the street and 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 people at school and then getting involved in a very interactive way versus you know perhaps widening out to a much larger kind of pool of participation. But but for many of the of the kids, they're actually participating less. Uh, so I, I certainly think it's interesting. I, I, clearly, it's part of the landscape of play. Uh, is it the future of play itself? I think that's maybe uh, a bit of an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, to, like to that point, uh, when it comes to really defining, you know, play as participating in the game itself or viewing the experience on our end we're starting to see more and more of these different companies pop up for example like super league gaming that are all about bringing communities together of all ages and sizes and have them kind of play competitive esports and gaming uh through their local communities so super league gaming for example is currently across 16 cities and they have a club team for each city and within the club team there's about i think it's like a through h of different levels that um each 
other community members can play with or play on. So it's this idea of, you know, bringing the community together around playing, you know, whether it's Minecraft or League of Legends, uh, they're kind of created this community organization to, you know, bring that experience of play with the, with a competitive advantage of the esports aspect to it, uh, to, the, to, the, to the larger audience. So it's something to um, something that something that, that we're watching, Adam. What what about your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's interesting in the sense that uh, before esports really uh, arose as a popular trend, uh, what was the last traditional sport that was invented and popularized? Uh, there wasn't, uh, there hasn't been any a continual uh, release of new sports of new either individual sports or team sports, and now because of of, of uh, esports and and coming out of video gaming, there's new sports all the time, which I think is pretty interesting culturally. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely expanding the the audience of people who are who are viewing. Um, but I'm not sure that that audience is necessarily larger or it's just the same audience that would be watching, you know, football and baseball. And now they're watching uh, Fortnite and uh, League of Legends, you know? Uh, I'd have to say if we could uh, come together and do some sort of esports and gaming league for the Star Wars Lego game, I would be the happiest person alive. That was one of my favorite games ever, I ever played on console. So, Tom, I don't know if you have any influence on that, but uh, <laughs> I would love to uh, you know, continue to play some Star Wars Legos games because those were uh, just fantastic. <laughs> they were, weren't they? Yes. I, I, I know yeah. some people who have influence, but I don't have influence myself. So uh, I'm not sure how much I can do, I'm afraid. Uh, that's funny. Um, but Tom, so this might actually come as a surprise to you, but I still personally have my big jam box uh, by Jawbone. Uh, <laughs> Does it still wake you up in the middle of the night and say uh, your battery is low? No, it does not. Uh, but it's I take it with me on all my camping trips. It's been to the beach a few times, uh, and like the live audio still works pretty pretty well. I've I've had it for about eight years, so I'm super super bummed that it's it's no longer in production. But I know you have a background working at Jawbone and in the audio space, so I'm curious to know how you're thinking about these new voice assistants, the audio space, um, and even smart speakers uh, at the at the Creative Lab. I I think this is a really fascinating area, and I think that. Um... You know, I think that that we've really only only started to begin to see the impact of it. I, I think there's a few different areas. The thing I think I'm most interested in, and this actually goes back to, you know, Bluetooth headphones and all, is this idea of hands-free. You know, the great thing about I, I know that you're beginning to see these sort of screen-enabled voice assistants, but the great thing, you know, the, the classic example of Alexa, of you know, I'm I'm there and I'm cooking and I'm getting some information from the internet versus I've, you know, I'm cooking and I got these greasy hands on a tablet trying to get the same information. You know, I think it, it's really interesting to think about when, um, you know, when, when being engaged with technology, but not having to use your hands and your eyes to engage with technology becomes ubiquitous. I think that's really, you know, a very powerful change about the whole way we think about technology, the whole way we interact with technology. I, I think that one's really fascinating. Um, I, and I think, you know, a lot of that does go back to the early days of the hand-free hands -free profile and, you know, what we learned about in, in cars, about the ability to keep your eyes on the road and not crash, sort of going out into the world in a much deeper and richer way. So I think certainly that's one area that's really fascinating. Um, I, I, you know, I think that um, obviously personalities and machine learning and all that side of things is another aspect. But I'm, I'm really intrigued about how, you know, getting your hands back uh, as it were, can be fascinating for the future of play. Yeah, I 
I obviously Amazon is, is investing a lot in this space uh, with their gadgets um, developer program. Like I think one, one of the big areas is like they do want to develop more games for children and families to play w- within like the household. I've got a stat here that says, you know, we expect 1.5 million kids, those aged 11 and younger to use a smart speaker like an Amazon Echo or a Google Home at least once, once a month. By 2020, that figure will grow to 2.2 million. And this comes from an e-market report. So this is obviously a growing area to think about when it comes to, you know, how can we design these new experiences for play? Uh, Adam, again, I'm curious to know from you, like from your aspect. Yeah, we're actually seeing a lot of um, board game and tabletop game designers uh, experimenting with integrating uh, Alexa and Google Assistant into, into their play. There was actually a company, they made a rather interesting AR-enabled board game uh, two years ago called Beasts of Burden. Um, and they actually got funding from Amazon to develop a whole suite of Alexa-enabled board games. Um, so interested to see what they're doing. The, the first versions are very um, reminiscent of the, uh, if you remember in like the the early 90s, uh, Scott, I'm sure you remember them fondly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there used to be these board games that came with VHS tapes in them, and you would play the VHS tape. And it was basically a very glorified uh, timer system. Uh, and sometimes you, you know, would, would skip forward and back, which didn't make a whole lot of sense before we had chapters on DVDs, but nonetheless. Um, and so far, a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing is, is, is a little bit of a retread of, of those kind of glorified timers uh, and instructions, but uh, a little more sophisticated in the sense that uh, with some very simple programming, Alexa can actually surprise you and randomize some of the effects and, and impact that, that it's having. So, uh, you know, it's it, it'll be interesting to see if there's actually consumer interest in stuff like that. On the other end of the spectrum, we're seeing a lot of companies invest in um, sort of Alexa skills and, and Google actions that would help you uh, actually uh, just understand the rules so that when you have a question, rather than have to look it up or Google it on your phone, uh, you can just uh, shout out across the room and, and hopefully get an answer. I know the other part of this eMarketer report is kind of looking at as really how these devices are becoming this new centerpiece for the family. After dinner, before dinner, uh, they actually sit down and talk to Alexa as like a family gathering. So in a way, it's kind of improving the social connection with in a family and kind of, I think, taking time away from the TV to interact with these devices that are now uh, popping up across uh, consumers' homes. So it's, it, it's definitely interesting to see the proliferation of these and we'll see where, where they go. But Tom, I, I want to take a moment to talk about education and how you think about bringing education into designing new experiences uh, for children and, and adults alike. How important is that for uh, you guys over at LEGO in the Creative Lab? Sure. I mean, you know, learning through play is at the heart of what Lego does. Uh, you know, it's 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 really something that that is core to the mission and and something we've we've done forever. Uh, and I think it is. You know, if you think about most kids uh, who who have memories of, of 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 Lego from their youth, I think a lot of people would say that they were formative memories. Um, and um, you know, the moment you're 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 talking about a formative memory from your youth, that that's learning in one form or another. And I I'd, I'd like to think that most people have very positive formative memories of of lego and very few so you know that that's certainly a part of it and you know we spend our whole time um you know and and uh, thinking about play thinking about these sorts of things and you know i do think when we you know in, in my lab we we really think about the future of lego play and, and do see that as potentially different than just the future of play because lego play to us is something that's you know fundamentally a a learning journey it's fundamentally creative uh, it, it's fundamentally creating these sort of formative moments where 
where, where kids, you know, discover something about themselves or about the world that's sort of unlocked through, through play. So it's absolutely the heart of what yeah. we do. Um, and, and I'm quite happy to say that, you know, to some of my colleagues, you know, this is a great playful product, but, but not one that, 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 that I'm interested in, in uh, exploring within Lego, because I do think, you know, we hold ourselves to the standard that, that perhaps, you know, quality and, and the fun level, but also that sort of creativity and learning really has to be at the heart of what we do. Um, and we don't have to do everything uh, as long as what we do has this sort of, you know, positive formative, formative experience building that the journey that that kids can go on. Oh, I can I completely agree. And even when we look to like augmented reality and how that can you know help educate and inform uh, play uh, is. It's pretty uh, crazy to think about. I know I've got a stat here that there was a study done on really how augmented reality is shaping the future of play. And the conclusion of the study was the experience has to be des- like designed in a way that enables children to cr- like create open scenarios, foster play, and it's have these open-ended inquiries and solutions that, that really enable this critical thinking. Because like you said, that is the whole point of play is to, in, in a sense to really you know bring this education in through a non-traditional method in a sense. So I think AR is going to be a, a great aspect to help improve education through play with all the different capabilities that it has for it. Adam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think this is circling back around to what we were talking about right in the beginning, that it's um, about using technology to enable new kinds of play and new kinds of experiences rather than focusing on the technology itself. Absolutely. We're going to now move into our final section, which is talking all about screen time. So, Tom, I'm curious to know what, like, what are your thoughts on screen time and how you're looking at it to, uh, you know, better improve the play experience? Yeah, I guess I feel that screen time is perhaps a little bit too coarse a metric. Um, you know, I actually believe that there's some tremendously valuable things that kids could do with screens. Um, you know, whether it's learning to code or whether it's making friends, um, solving problems, being more creative. Uh, but I also, you know, can understand that certain types of usage of the screen may be substituting, you know, less social interactions and less, you know, energetic interactions for, for, you know, potentially more. So these days that, you know, we really try and look through the notion of, of just sort of generic screen time into, you know, what do we think is valuable? You know, I, I think we have to accept that there's some tremendously valuable things about technology and about the technology that's you know, embodied in uh, the sort of devices that Tim Cook's uh, company makes. Uh, on the other hand, I think we can also accept that perhaps, you know, uh, a lot of people do feel that, uh, you know, there's opportunities for great learning, great play, uh, uh, you know, health, wellness uh, that come from outside the screen. So we're, we're trying to really sort of parse out, you know, what is, what is the good stuff, as it were, and how do you mix that into, you know, the wider world beyond the screen? Um, and that's really the journey we're on. And we, we, we try and stay away from just thinking, you know, screen time is something that in itself has to be limited and really think about, you know, what are, what are the pros, what are the cons, and where can we really maximize the, uh, the excitement, the, 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 the engagement, and the learning value for kids across all of the touch points we have with them. I agree. I think there's always a, you know, like like that first wave of understanding. Well, what what is impact? And there's a lot of you know a, a lot of caution around it as time goes on. But the same could could have been said when I was younger and playing Xbox and spending 12 hours a day looking at a TV screen. So I think it just depends. You know, it's a new technology. We just have to you know work work through the growing pains in a sense, and then from there we'll you know ho- hopefully reap the benefits of what uh, all these different devices have for us, Adam. Do you have any, any, any thoughts on screen time from your perspective as a traditional uh, developer of a, of a card game? 
Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree that I think that just thinking of all screen time as the same is a bit reductive. Um, and I think that we tend to see this with every shift in technology. You know, it's uh, back in the day when novels were first new, uh, there were panic articles being written in, news in newspapers about kids spending too much time reading novels. Uh, and now uh, I think most parents would be happy to have their kids spend, you know, five hours a day reading novels. Uh, so, you know, I think that it, it all is in balance and uh, every generation grows up in a different technological ecosystem than their parents did. And in a lot of ways, uh, because they do grow up with that technology, uh, they in many ways, they are more responsible with it. And they do uh, understand, obviously, you know, within within some parenting guidelines, they understand uh, how what is healthy about it and what is not. Um, sometimes we see that in, in ways more so than older generations who come to the technology later in life. So I think that it's uh, sometimes it's a lot of adults projecting onto kids uh, the, the problems that they're seeing in themselves <laughs> and their own use of their devices. Yeah, I think there's definitely some projection from the parents onto their children. However, I think parents are also definitely taking the initiative to inform themselves as well as their children about how to strike a natural balance between screen time and non-screen time as well as when you have screen time between work and play because we know digital screens are here to stay and they are now an integral part of play and what play will become so with that this kind of brings us to the the end of the episode here tom i have i have one last question for you that i've been really dying to ask all episode is are you the mastermind behind the lego bugatti citroen that was just built and published across youtube because that was one of the coolest things I have ever seen in my entire life. I, unfortunately, I wasn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I'd be very <laughs> proud if I was because I quite agree with you. That is uh, an awesome piece of, you know, uh, imagining an awesome piece of designing and building. Um, you know, that that's a phenomenal uh, achievement by the team. But uh, unfortunately, it's not my team. Yeah. Well, I had to say it's a great representation of how Lego is you know, looking at both sides of the spectrum, adults and kids alike. You guys are kind of designing these experiences that are able to be you know, op optimized for any point in life. So um, I think that's just fantastic. But with that, Tom, how can our listeners reach out to you? Where can they find you on the, on, on the interweb? All the usual places. LinkedIn uh, is the obvious place or you know, Lego as well. Um, uh, all the usual places. I'm uh, very accessible. Excellent. Do you have anything that you want to plug uh, before we end this episode? Um, only to say that, uh, you know, Creative Play Lab is a fascinating place to uh, to work. And we're always looking for, uh, you know, you know, collaborators with uh, big ideas and, uh, and big passion. I love it. Well, with that, thank you all for coming on today and joining us for this excellent episode called The Future of Play up here on Floor 9. If you're looking for more great content, please check out our website, ipglab.com. From there, you can access our Medium blog. You can follow us on social, at IPG, for Twitter and Instagram. And if you like what you hear, share, tell a friend. Give us a, a review in Apple Podcasts. Uh, whatever you can do, we greatly appreciate it. So thank you, and we'll talk soon.